show. I am your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. I hope so far everybody uh, is um, enjoying their weekend here in southern Ontario um, for June the 6th. Um, It's going to be another one. It's going to be another hot day out there um, in the high 90s, clear skies and sunshine. So get out there and enjoy some uh, outdoor activities. Put lots of sunscreen on yourselves and your kids. And uh, go out there and get some fresh air and um, be safe out there. And, um, you know, ladies and gentlemen, um, the, this month of, of, of June um, is uh, Men's um, Health Month. And it also um, is, is the month of, of recognition, too, uh, for the LG, LGBTQ all over the world. Now, I want to start this part of the program off um, when it comes to um, racism and mental health. Now, I'll make myself um, really clear um, that I will not stand for it. I will not tolerate it of any disrespect, any racial remarks of any sort in my life or on my program. I will not tolerate it. Now, this article starts off, and it just doesn't mean, you know, um, racism, you know, against Blacks, but other cultures, other people of color. And those people who have been marginalized by those in power experiencing life differently from those who, whose lives have not been devalued. They experience overt racism, bigotry far too often, which leads to a mental health burden that is deeper than what others may face. 
racism is a mental health issue because racism causes trauma and trauma paints a direct line to mental illness, which needs to be taken seriously. Now, we see it We see it all the time. We hear it all the time. Whether you're Asian, whether you're black, whether you're from the Middle East, people would paint these individuals with the same brush. People from the Middle East they would think as as them being terrorists because of because of certain groups. So therefore people would think that hey, they're from Iran, they're from Iraq or wherever they're from. They're a terrorist too, when in fact they're not. People are trying to get away from those those areas in this world to come here to either to Europe, to North America, to live a peaceful life and to join a society that they feel safe. but then only to run into racism. And for hundreds of years, when it comes to uh, blacks, from slavery and so on, and the way they have been treated throughout history. Past trauma is prominently mentioned as a reason that people experience serious mental health conditions today, but obviously forms of racism and bigotry are just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to racial trauma. Everyday people of color experience far more subtle traumas and we see this on the news we see this in america we saw it on national tv ladies and gentlemen People who avoid them in their neighborhoods out of ignorance and fear. Banks and credit companies who won't lend them money or do so only at a higher interest rate. Mass in incarceration of their peers. School 
curriculum that ignore or minimize their contributions to our shared history and racial profiling. I mean, what, what do you see? You know, what do you, what do you see uh, when you see somebody um, as Asian or what do you see somebody as indigenous or you see somebody who is black or you see somebody who's from the, from the Middle East or other parts of the world. I tell you what I see. I see human beings. That's what I see. Your background of where you come from, your nationality, your skin color, the way you look. I see a human being. And the types of racism Systematic structural racism. Systematic structural racism has three components. History, culture, and institutional policy. Historical racism provides the framework for current racism. Any structure built on a foundation, history of racism, will be a racist structure, culture, which is ever present in our day-to-day lives. Like these residential schools here across Canada, a racial structure, absolutely. The government of Canada so many years ago, our first prime minister, Sir A. Macdonald, It's just really, really, really unbelievable that it was allowed to go on for so long of the way that the indigenous people have been treated and not just indigenous people, but blacks and others alike. Interpersonal racism. Racism racism that happens between individual people when individuals' beliefs or prejudice becomes actions towards others. Like using the N-word. You know what I don't like, and you know, I mean, I like, I like um, comedians and um, there are a few comedians of color and they fluently use the N word. I mean, they're black, they use it. And it should be really frowned upon because they don't want anybody else using that word. They don't want to be called that word. Well, they call each other that N-word. 
they certainly don't want to hear from somebody who's white or anybody else of, 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 of any other nationality or skin color. So why use that N-word at all? Amongst yourselves. I find it really disrespectful. Period. Institutional racism. Institutional racism occurs within and between institutions. Institutional racism is discriminatory treatment, unfair policies, and inadequate opportunities and impacts based on race. Produced and perpetuated by institutions, schools, mass media. Individuals with institutions take on the power of the institution when they act in ways that advantage and disadvantage of people based on race. Inter, inter, uh, inter, uh, internalized racism. This is when rate, when, when racism and, and white supremacy affects the minds of black indigenous and people of color to the point where they begin to believe that they are inferior because of their own race. This can sometimes lead to the interracial hostility and treat others in a way that mirrors how white racists might treat them another way internalized racism can manifest and accepting in internalizing ideas and values. I mean, who said people who are white, who said that we're the, we're the inferior. Everybody else is beneath white people. Who in the hell came up with that? I don't know. I really don't know. You know, see, ladies and gentlemen, you know, here in Canada, the indigenous people, this is, this was their land. It's always been their land. White man comes from European countries and other places around the world. And somehow they come here and they want to colonize this country. And then what do they do with the indigenous people? Well, for starters, they build these residential schools. They don't ask their parents, oh, we have a perfect school for your child and he's gonna learn everything 
better than the public school system. No, 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 no. That's not how it worked. They took them. They took them against their will. They took them to these residential schools. They cut their hair. And they put them in the white man's traditional clothing. And then forbid them to speak their language. They would have to learn English. First Prime Minister of Canada, Sir A. MacDonald, calls them savages. They are going to be culturalized. They are going to be like the white man. If they read and write in their homes, they're just people who are savages that can read and write was his words of Sir A. MacDonald, the first prime minister of this country. Shameful. I am not above anyone else. Doesn't matter where you come from. Just because I'm white doesn't make me superior. I'm superior over nobody. Reverse racism is a term is, is quotes to emphasize that it is a made up term that shouldn't carry out any actual value. It was a term created by and for white people who want to perpetuate racism by denying their privilege in all its forms and by claiming that fighting to improve the lives of differential white people have historically always fallen on the powerful side rather than the powerless side. Reverse racism is therefore impossible as long as we live in society that perpetuates white supremacy. You know, not only here in Canada, but in other parts, well, here in Canada, especially, you know, I mean, we look at, we look at, you know, uh, the Proud Boys or any other um, um, white supremacy groups back in hundreds of years ago, um, with the KKK and so on and so forth. You know, um, with what, what, with, uh, what happened in, in the United States with the riots, 
you know, here the government of Canada declared the Proud Boys a terrorist organization. They claim that they were not. See what happens when the government declares any sort of group a terrorist organization. They can and they did seize all assets. The Proud Boys up here in Canada has claimed that they have now shut down. But who knows for sure? Oppression, the use of power by system, institutionals, groups, individuals to dominate over another or the refusal of the system, institutional group, individuals who possesses the power to challenge the domination. Oppression. Take a look around, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I believe that, you know, every nation on this planet the people all over the world, whether you're black, Asian, indig indigenous, or any other sort of cultures, oppression, the Jews, Does it seem to be going on still in some form or, or some way of oppression? People being held down, being people being held back. Racism and the individual mental health. Depression is the most common reported condition. Additionally, racial trauma can increase the risk of meeting the criteria for PTSD. Importantly, stress plays a crucial role in how racism affects both physical and mental health. Stress hormones are released during stressful situations. And the research has shown that both the experience of and the observation of racial discrimination is stressful for children and adults. And the frequent pressure of these stress hormones can lead to physical conditions like high blood pressure, 
and heart disease, as well as mental health conditions like depression, anxiety, and overall poor health outcomes. Discrimination is typically something that occurs frequently and as a result creates a sustained level of stress and stress hormones and those who are the most likely to experience this discrimination. Now, the reason why I want to start with this, ladies and gentlemen, is because not only is this the mental health month for for men but also when it comes to any form of, of, of racism any sort of stereotypes you know stereotypes on on indigenous people They may be portrayed as being lazy. They don't want to work. They want to live off government assistance. We stereotype when it even comes to, to, to blacks as though they're criminals. They're the gangbangers. They're the drug dealers. And then people would paint them with the same brush. You see one in uh, one indigenous individual. And you say, yeah, they're all the same. which is ridiculous. It's appalling. And the stereotypes of a believing about the LGBTQ communities. Millions of people around the world choose a sexual orientation of who they feel that they believe who they are. Before the 1970s, most stereotypes about the LGBTQ community was extremely negative. In fact, for much of the 19th and the 20th centuries, a vast majority of the population, including doctors and scholars, believed that members of the LGBTQ community suffered from a mental disorder. Then the Stonewall riots changed everything in 1969. 
police raided a gay bar called the Stonewall Inn in New York City, and those inside fought back. This wasn't just a historical moment, it was a movement. Throughout the following decade, the LGBTQ rights were the forefront of social justice activism, which in turn led to an increased awareness about the LGBTQ community. And the AIDS epidemic in the 1980s created more obstacles and stereotypes about the LGBTQ people. And by the 90s, that started to evolve, the LGBTQ characters began appearing with regularly on television with the shows like Queer as Folk, The L Word, Will and Grace. And still the LGBTQ community has always been pegged as different. And whenever a community is in that position, stereotypes abound. So in order to set the record straight, they've rounded up a list of some of the most common LGBTQ stereotypes. And if you hear one of these phrases, know that they're all utterly demonstrable faults. Then you can educate others by correcting them too. Now, the first one here, all bisexual people are promiscuous. Now, according to the 2011 study, more than half of non-heterosexual people in the United States identify as bisexual but there's still a lot of mystery and stereotyping when it comes to the B in the LGBTQ. As the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation points out that bisexual people are often accused of being more promiscuous than non-bisexual people because they are attracted to both men and women. Many have blamed bisexual people for spreading HIV and AIDS and all the assumption that bisexual people were engaging in more dangerous sexual activities, that they were the cause of this, they were the blame for this. Whether you're a heterosexual or not, people all over the world have engaged in dangerous sexual activities. A common stereotype that is bisexual people do not want to be or cannot be. This is simply not true. Bisexual people are just as capable of forming relationships as heterosexuals, gay and lesbian people.
Now, stereotyping people You know, I ask myself sometimes, I said, when is this all going to stop? The unfortunate thing here is that it probably isn't going to stop stereotyping anybody. Another belief, you can't be queer in religious. Some religious beliefs that homosexuality goes against the very pillars established in their holy text. However, in recent decades, more religious dominations like Reform Judaism have been supported by the LGBT community. You know, I mean, if you're Catholic, does that mean you, you, you can't be you can't be gay? Or you're a Protestant? Or whatever the case may be, whatever religion that you have. You, know, you can't be queer and religious at the same time. All lesbians are masculine. While it is true that some women who identify as lesbians are more masculine in appearance and disposition, the truth is that every lesbian is different. This outdated stereotype does, does nothing more than incorrectly corral a group of people into a small definable box. Another misconception that goes hand in hand with stereotypes is that lesbian relationships include one woman who is more masculine and one who is considered more feminine. The butch uh, femme dy dy uh, dynamic, the assumption was further examined in 2016 study of the American Sociological Association, which found that most Americans feel the need to apply gender roles to those involved in same-sex relationships. Even in same-sex couples, where there is not sex differences between partners, people use gender differences as a way to approximate sex differences. As a lesbian, identifying I'm not, who is, <laughs> who is relative phenomenon and his friends who identify in the same way. So does it mean that the, you know, for the females, you know, they, so the one has to be more masculine because, you know, they still have to maybe, um, see man. two beautiful women or whatever the case may be, 
doesn't matter one is, is is more masculine or not. To them. And all gay men are effeminate and flamboyant or flamboyant. Assuming that all gay men are more flamboyant and feminine than straight men is straight up false. This stereotype dates back to the, to the word gay itself, which had originally been used to describe someone who was overly cheerful, loud and happy. Oh, they look really gay today. And, and, you know, the word has had a widespread effect on how gay men are perceived. Another stereotyping uh, when it comes to this is all transgender women are drag queens. For those who may not be as familiar with this transgender community, it is easy to assume that all trans women are drag queens and vice versa. But it also is incorrect. A drag queen is simply a man who takes on a female personality while in costume or performing. The LGBTQIA plus pop, uh, publication, those who choose to dress in drag doesn't necessarily identify as women when they aren't in drag, a distinction that is often isn't considered. Another one here when it comes to you know, um, lesbians hate men. As far as stereotype goes, this one's rather thin. Just because a lesbian dates other women, that doesn't mean she despises men. Though people may assume that lesbians don't believe that they need men in their lives. The vast majority of lesbians maintain relationships with plenty of men, whether friends, colleagues, or family members, just because their sexual orientation doesn't match up with, with yours doesn't mean their view of men is any different. Another stereotyping here that all trans people are mentally ill. Another case where the science is firm, some of the largest medical organizations around, including both the American Medical Association and the American Psychiatric Association, don't consider being trans, transgender a mental disorder. Yes, in years past, 
both use gender identity disorder, but no longer. Now the terminology is gender dysphoria. So they put a label on it. Now I've heard this one before. Maybe you have, I don't know. You know, maybe you have, maybe you know somebody, maybe a friend of yours. Um, is, is gay. The other stereotyping about this is that the members of the LGBTQ community are trying to convert others. Being part of the LGBT community does not mean you're looking to bring others aboard. First of all, no one can become gay. You either are attracted to people of the same sex or you aren't. And secondly, if a member of the LGBTQ community is trying to educate you on some of those stereotypes, it's only because knowledge helps decrease hatred and ignorance. Now, what else goes with stereotyping individuals? Of whether what backgrounds we come through, whether we're from from cultures, different colors in, in skin color. Bullying comes into mind. You know, when I was when I was growing up and I was, you know, starting to become a teenager, you know, coming in the age of 13, you know, hanging out with my friends, you know, oh, let's go down to this certain pipe, this the this this certain park and, and roll some fags. Meaning they want to go beat up people who are gay. Now, of course, you know, if, if you look up the word fag in the dictionary, it's going to have the meaning of cigarettes and it's also going to have the slang. Now, it's just not, you know, um, bullying isn't just about, you know, kids being bullied at school. You know, people who, who you know, are, you know, people of the, of, of the, of the LGBTQ, you know, they're bullied. People who, you know, have uh, a, a physical different appearance um, are, are bullied. 
name calling is a form of bullying. It affects them mentally. Bullying when it comes to actual contact and fighting and punching is physical harm. Some people experience both at the same time. These are six types of bullying that are commonly known. Bullying is more than a simple blow to the stomach, a painful bathroom wedgie, or some name calling. And it's a lot more vast than that. It can be easy to spot, or it can also go unnoticed for years. What is the definition of bullying? Bullying is, is intentional. Repeated and hurtful acts, words, and behavior that one person or a group of people inflict onto others. You can, <coughs> excuse me. You know, going to grade school, and, you know, they say, ah, oh, kids are kids. You know, they don't know better. And kids pick on other kids because, you know, they may have a disability. You see somebody, you know, wearing glasses and they were called four eyes. Or you see somebody wearing a hearing aid and somehow, you know, they have a defect and they're called different names. But you know that when it comes to bullying and when it comes to stereotypes and how we betray people and how we treat them, These two go hand in hand. The victim has trouble defending themselves against the bully because a power imbalance exists between the two parties. Factors such as the size and strength of the bully play a large role. It's always the big guy picking on the little guy, right? 
because they can easily because they know they can easily overpower them. So what does this really mean for any potential victims? The direct and the indirect bullying. Direct bullying, bullying suggests that attacks are open and confrontational, while indirect bullying suggests the attacks are quite discreet and only really noticed through social isolation. And what's interesting is that even though direct attacks such as hitting, kicking, and pushing are the traditional types of bullying, indirect attacks such as spreading rumors, excluding others from groups, and saying hurtful things are usually a lot more common. Especially with people, you know, young people today, maybe even older people today, you know, who are coming out, who want to come out of the closet, so to speak, as, they, as the term is used, and then announce to the family or the world that, hey, you know what, I'm gay. And then along comes the hurtful words. Maybe even as far as hitting and kicking and pushing and punching. Physical bullying is often quite blatant. And the easiest of the six types of bullying to spot, in this case, the bully using physical actions to get power and control over their targets. It's simple, straightforward, and effective. Repeatedly targeted the same victim. Intend to hurt, embarrass, or intimidate the victim. be stronger or have a higher social standing than the victim. Well, because I'm white and he's brown or I'm white and he's black or I'm white, he's Asian. The examples of physical bullying, the main forms of physical bullying are traditional bullying, including, like they said, hitting, kicking, slapping, pushing, punching, hair pulling, taking money or belongings and vandalizing the property. They take your knapsack or whatever, they take your phone, they knock your glasses off your face and do whatever they're gonna do. Verbal bullying. Now they say, although verbal bullying is considered to be less dangerous than physical bullying, the psychological effects of this type of bullying can have a, se a severe impact on people. Much like physical bullying. It's quite easy to see because they're gonna leave marks. But instead of using physical aggression, bullies use language 
to demean or hurt others. The forms of verbal bullying include threatening, degrading, cruel teasing, name calling, and taunting. Now you think people from, from the LGBTQs never experience any of this stuff? They've experienced both of it verbally and physically. Blacks too, Asians too. Even white kids on white kids or white people on white people. Shaming. Relational aggression, social bullying. This kind of bullying is a lot sneakier than any others of the sick type, types of bullying. It can go unnoticed by parents and teachers for a very long time. This is dealing with kids, if not throughout the child's entire school year. They say that the bully's objective is to boost their own social status by manipulating, hurting, and damaging their, their, their peers' reputation. Now, sexual bullying. Sexual bullying is when someone repeatedly attacks another person in a harmful and humiliating way because of their sexual orientation, sexual development, physical appearance, and attractiveness. In some cases, this form of bullying can go as far as sexual assault, harassment, and abuse. Examples of sexual bullying. Some examples of sexual bullying include vulgar gestures, crude comments, unsolicited physical advances, sexual name calling, sexual blackmailing, and sexual harassment. Now, it was, you know, back back in the day, you know, when I was growing up, I mean, there was no such thing as the internet. There was no such thing as cell phones. So this was the way that people would, would do the bullying. Now we have cyberbullying. Well, they don't have to say it to your face. And they can share all this stuff online or they can share this between their phones. And obviously bullying is not a new concern. It's something most of, have, most of us have experienced or witnessed growing up. And it's something we can't pretend our children or anybody else won't be exposed to it as well. 
And this new type of bullying has has been thrown into the mix that wasn't there 20 years ago. Cyberbullying. We had no technology when I was in when I was in grade school. Hell, not even high school. I graduated high school before the technology started to come out. Some examples of cyberbullying include sending mean or hurtful texts or emails, using embarrassing photos or messages or blackmailing, posting hurtful content about someone on social media, spreading rumors or gossip, or gossip, gossip, persistently harassing individuals online and pretending to be another person and creating a fake online profile. But still the bullying goes on the old fashioned way. That's not going to stop. And it's going to escalate to cyberbullying. And it obviously has. Whether it's kids bullying other kids or as us as grownups are, are using it to Or text messages. Oh, sorry, I missed you there. You want to try again? Go right ahead. And the different types of bullying, obviously, we talked about those. However, there is a common ground in each type of bully's unique behavior. Each act of the violence needs to be triggered. Getting a better understanding of the different triggers that provoke bullying can help you can preempt attacks more efficiently. Now, even just dealing with with all these types of things, whether, you know, um, you're an adult, you know, the her, workplace harassments and the bullying or whatever in the workplace, in our schools, in our cultures. And who we are. Education goes a long ways, ladies and gentlemen. And the stereotyping of individuals or cultures. Educate ourselves to have a better understanding. Educating ourselves, whether on, on, on racism or better understanding of people who feel that they, you know, have to be a, a, a different gender. 
bullying goes along with how we portray people. Be careful in what you say to somebody. You may yourself have maybe have been a victim. Or you are the bully. Or you know somebody who has been the victim or the bully. So I'll leave this with you, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed this program. I know these are sensitive subjects to talk about, but they are also needed to be heard and they need to be discussed. If we don't talk about things like this, then it goes unnoticed. We don't get any resolve. And we can help put a stop to it. So thank you for joining me. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Because here in Southern Ontario, Canada, where I reside, it is going to be another hot one out there. And I'm going to get out there and enjoy a little bit of the weather. And then I will be back tomorrow is Monday, June the 7th. And I will be back at 9 p.m. I hope you can join me then. So take care and thank you. I am your host, Doug from London, Ontario, Canada, and this is the Truckers Podcast.